And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Speaking of a growing business, if you are in the spot where your business is growing and it's taking off, you are going to be thrust into a position of leadership. And if you don't know anything about leadership, you will quickly learn that it is the currency that success is often traded with. So learn to be a better leader. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, before I introduce, introduce today's guest, today's episode, Startup Hustles powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today is Mark Silverman. Mark's the owner at Mark J. Silverman and Associates, LLC. That's a professional training and coaching organization in Vienna, Virginia. You can learn more about Mark by going to markjsilverman.com. There's also a link for that in the show notes. Why don't you do me a favor and scroll on down and click that so you can get a little bit of context about Mark. But without further ado, once again, straight out of Vienna, Virginia, Mark, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's jump right into today's conversation with a little bit about your backstory. You know, it's interesting. If you go, if, when, if you go to my website, the new video on the website just dropped. Uh, and I was, I was told by my coach to show up uh, and tell my story. And they had three cameras and a, and a professional film crew. So my, my story is like right there on the front of my, uh, uh, on my website. Uh, so, so when I, when I tell it, it feels uh, almost like um, I'm being a short Jewish Tony Robbins and regurgitating <laughs> that kind of success story because this, the story starts with me being an alcoholic and a drug addict and living in my truck uh, way back in 1989 uh, so, you know, it's not, it's not exactly the, the leadership journey. Uh, I went to Wharton business school and, uh, was CEO of several companies before I came to executive coaching. Uh, I was, you know, I was, I was a mess. Uh, and it was that building myself up. It was that it was getting sober. It was, it was, um, you know, figuring out what to do for work in my twenties and thirties, getting a college degree in my forties and, you know, ending up in a million dollar house, driving a Lexus convertible and all those things several years after being homeless and living in a little pickup truck that formed what I do now. Uh, so when I became successful, I looked at it through a very, very different lens. I looked at it like from, from a, like a, like a foreigner. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was going, you know, I was being flown to club trips, you know, in Hawaii and Barcelona and that kind of thing. And it was just really weird to me. Uh, but what I didn't, what I didn't understand was just because my outsides were Hugo Boss suits and nice cars and a nice house and, and, you know, beautiful family, I didn't realize that my insides didn't catch up with my outsides. So I was working three times as hard as everybody else to prove that I wasn't that homeless guy. I thought people could look at me and see that. So I burned the candle at both ends uh, and 
and that crippling self, um, uh, kind of self-hatred and, and judgment of myself just tore me apart. So that in 2008, 2009, it all fell apart again. Uh, stone cold sober. I didn't take a drink. Uh, you know, the, 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 um, pressure of trying to be successful nearly destroyed me. Uh, so I was watch I was watching left and right as the people, you know, that I was working with, I watched marriage crumble. I watched people have addictions. I watched people, their mental health just fray. Didn't think it was going to happen to me. And then it happened to me stone cold sober. Uh, so I, I, all of a sudden my marriage fell apart. Uh, my career started falling apart. I couldn't sell. I was having panic attacks. I was getting sick all the time. I was really sick. Miss Diaz knows several times I was going to die. Uh, and, uh, and then, um, um, just the whole thing, the whole thing was a mess. It was building myself back. You know, when I thought I was going to die, when I was suicidal and depressed, uh, and I was living in an apartment around the corner for my kids that everything I do as a coach came into being, I built myself back, uh, even more successful than I was before, but in such a different fashion, uh, that I was like an ex smoker. Like I, I came back with a vengeance of you don't have to do success by destroying your family. You don't have to do success by destroying your health. You don't have to do success by burning the candles at both ends. You can do success and thrive at the same time. And now at 61, what I really, really know is that, you know, if you're not happy, <laughs> you're not fulfilled, why do any of this shit? <laughs> why do any of it? So that's what I do all day, every day. You know, I, 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 ha I can really identify with you on a lot of this. Now, I'll say that while my story was a little different, I was a late bloomer myself. I dropped out of five colleges, um, which is kind of hard to do. Um, but, you know, with that. Not, uh, not in my circles. I love that. Yeah. Well, with that, you know, watching a lot of other people around me as I got a little bit older um, and seeing what they were doing, how they were doing it and, you know, kind of came to the realization. I said, you know, I, I can do the same stuff. I got to figure out how to do it. Went and got a job, got myself some professional mentoring. And I, you know, at, at the time I, uh, you know, here I am in my mid twenties and everyone had told me, they're like, Oh, you'd be a great salesperson. And it's funny. Cause I'd say, I'd say why? And so, well, you're a great talker. I learned later that the best salespeople aren't great talkers. They're better listeners. Uh, but with that, um, as I watched other people around me and I evolved, I realized that leadership was the way to really do big things. And I spent a lot of time, effort and energy um, learning more about it. And it's a, it's a very tricky thing, you know, because the way that you lead people is different for all people, meaning you, the way you're going to react to my leadership might be different than the fictional person that's not sitting next to you that has a different personality style that has different hopes and ambitions and dreams. They're at a different part in life. And um, I really spent a lot of time trying to learn, you know, how to communicate with different people. And I think the, the most important leadership lesson, and here we go, dropping, dropping truth bombs at seven minutes in is, you know, learning how to help other people get what they want and kind of being selfless about it yourself, you know, like you got to help all the people around you get what they want and then you magically get what you want. And, then and I don't, and I, let me go back and remove that word magically. I'd say systematically, um, you know, and, and with that, um, you know, there, there really is 
a power to leadership that I, I think everyone should embrace. Now, if you don't consider yourself to be a leader or you want to improve your leadership game, where do you think a good place to start is? So here, this, here's the thing. Like I, I've been a coach now for a decade and I've never called myself a leadership coach until mm-hmm. this past year. The, the, just the thought of myself. Why, being why not? Because it, it just gives me connotation. You know, I, I run into people who go, I love leadership. I study leadership. I live, you know, I'm yeah. Jocko Wilnick. I'm, I'm, you know, I eat nails and that kind of thing for leadership. I might eat nails actually, yeah. but yeah. But, you know, and I, and I, and I, I don't. Right. <laughs> you know, I, like I don't art. either. I like art. You know, like, like uh, I scuba dive, but uh, you know, that's, that's about as adventurous as that is. And what I realized is that for me, what I teach, what I, what I, and, and what, and it was, it was actually uh, other people who convinced me to write this book, the rising leader handbook, and to actually come out as a leadership coach, because it's how I make my money, right? How I show up online, how I showed up is pretty much like Oprah and like love and everybody's good and all that stuff. But what I actually do all day, every day is I, is I work with the C- C-suite executives and teach them leadership skills, but I don't call them leadership skills. I, t- I, I, I basically say, how do you have an honest conversation with someone who works for you around a, a specific s- subject? So I teach the difficult conversations, right? How do you create agreements instead of having expectations that are unmet? Uh, how do you speak truth to power? How do you walk into the boardroom and actually speak up so that you can be heard? How do you stop button heads with, with your peers? How do you check your ego? And how do you use your influencing sc- skills? All of these are leadership skills. Uh, but I just, I just don't put that mantle on. I think it's because I went through a leadership program a few years ago. That was just, uh, it's, it's one of the premier leadership programs and I found it to be horrendous and disgusting and I never wanted to be part of that. But again, speaking truth to power, uh, being able to create strong relationships with your peers, being able to, to, uh, speak to your people and inspire them to get, you know, all row in the same direction and, and do what needs to be done. Those are leadership skills. You mentioned Jocko earlier, who is, and for those of you that aren't, what's his last name? Willinick? Willinick, yeah. Yeah. So if you're not aware that that's a former Navy SEAL who has really specialized in leadership training and, um, you know, the, the, the brand, I, I do subscribe a little bit to the brand of the honesty brand, you know, and that's, you talk about tough conversations. That's something I've specialized in over the years. And, and here's the thing, you talk about the power of leadership. Well, look, that same power of leadership doesn't always land well. Cause you talk about talk, you know, this tough conversation where you have to say, you know, Hey, Mark, Mark, I'm going to put you in my fictional role here. Mark, you've been late to work every day for the last two weeks. You're the first person out the door and the people on the team that you're working with are starting to notice. They don't really feel like you have their back. Now that's a tough conversation that, you know what I just said, those are words. Those are just words that came out of my mouth as easy as the ones that are coming out of my mouth right now. You don't necessarily know how those words are going to land at the recipient. Um, if you understand what that person's personality style is, you might have some idea, meaning if they're an extrovert, you know, they, they may get vocal about it. An introverted person might be like, okay, I'll do better. And then they're going to go back to their desk and quietly turn into a pressure cooker, you know, mad at you and upset about it. Uh, but what, you know, what I find is if you're doing the most effective job as a leader, not everyone's 
going to vote for you in the popularity contest as well. And I think you got to get past that if you want to embrace the power of leadership. It's, it's not about, it's not about trying to make everybody your best friend. It's about being honest. It's about being fair. And it's, it's literally, this is going to sound like, what is DeCourcy talking about? It's about being a leader. You got to show people how to do it yourself. You can't really be an effective leader, in my opinion, if you can't walk the walk yourself. Like you can try to be an effective leader, but I think you're going to, you don't really have credibility with those around you. Like now, if I just mention that to you and I'm the guy that's in the door after you every day and I leave before you every day, how's that message going to land? And the answer is probably not that well. Yeah, I've, I've, I've spoken to a bunch of CEOs on, on how's your self-discipline. If you're asking yeah. this of your team, what are you asking of yourself? Right. Right. You know, and when you tell me that you want to exercise every day and you don't, and you don't keep your word to yourself, how are you going to walk in and hold other people accountable? But let's go back, let's go back to your example of someone being late. Right. So leadership is, you know, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of Jocko. Uh, I, there's a bunch of stuff that I think doesn't fit for me or, but, but I teach a hundred percent responsibility. I just like, yeah, the, the extreme ownership stuff. That's, yeah, that's the one part that I really subscribe to. Yeah. Right. So like, Ex- like extreme ownership is, is understanding that as the leader, if the team and the, uh, the team and the things that are under your direction begin to fail, eventually it's your fault. There's no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. And I think that is the exact phrase that they use in that. So, so back, back to, you know, back to your person who's late every day and leaves early. Uh, the, you know, the second piece to that is, you know, so one leader would be a hammer and say, you know, I noticed you're late and you're, you, you know, you leave early and you come in late. That stops now or you don't have a job. Uh, you know, then the, the soft, you know, the, the affable leader, you know, will, 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 kind of try and make up for it and try and work around that. And then, a, you know, an, a curious leader will be like, so this is what I see. This is the effect it's having on your team. This is the effect that, that's having on me. Um, help me understand why this is happening, right? And then find out, oh, well, actually, my, my mother is dying of cancer and I'm the sole caretaker. Well, that's Did why you, you ask. Right. That's like, why you ask. Yes, yes, yes. Curiosity there. And then then, of course, you know, there's something, you know, like there is a job to me to be done and there's accommodations to be made. Uh, but then then there's a new agreement to be made. OK, what can you commit to? Can I count on you for this, this and this, on, you know, knowing the circumstances are going to come up. Right. And create new agreement to come up with, you know, in the future. So, you know, it's again, it's having those t- tough conversations. It's funny. I was uh, I have another I have a work for a company who all the leaders work through affability. They're just such nice people. They're super successful, but the people coming up under them are, are uh, having, you know, are not working to the level that they need to work. And, you know, again, with this job market and with, you know, the way COVID has changed the way people actually see work, you know, leading through being a hammer is not going to work because people will just get another job for more money elsewhere where they can work from Columbia and uh, have low, low expenses. Uh, but I, I gave, I, I, their orders were to get a case of uh, Kim Scott's radical candor. <laughs> I'm like, you guys need to learn how to have these conversations that you need to have and how to have them effectively. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a huge part of leadership. <clears throat> Well, at first, the comment you just made almost sounded like you needed to be a nice person to be an effective leader. 
I think you can be an empathetic leader, right. kind, kind which of is empathy. a little different than being nice. I mean, empathy is just described as putting yourself in other people's shoes and, and trying to understand where people are coming from. For me, when it comes to, to this, like to leadership in general, like it, for me, it's, it's kind of a progressive program. You know, I even tell people when they come to work for me, like I'll say, Hey, you know, look, this is a high paced place. We have a bunch of a list kind of, players on the team here. And that can make it hard to keep up with some people. For some people, I expect you to make mistakes. I expect you to be slow at first, but I expect you to care. And I expect you to try. Now you'll find that I'm very accommodating and very understanding when you take responsibility for your errors. But when you get into the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth error that was avoidable, I'm starting to wonder if you're paying attention, if you care, or if you're capable of doing the job. So do your best to stay out of that zone and we'll be in really good shape and we'll do some big things together. Um, And, you know, I feel like I didn't used to have that talk with people. And then I would get into that point. And I think that's fair. You know, like, I think that that's a fair approach to people with people. And, uh, and I don't feel that asking people to not make av- mistakes that could have easily been avoided uh, to quit doing it half a dozen times is unfair either, you know, but like I said, it kind of progresses for me and, you know, it gets to the point and, you know, and it really kind of depends like, uh, yeah, there's there's a level of empathy and, and kindness and, and understanding that you can exhibit. But at the same time, you got to go back to you got to remember, you're also running a business, you're, you're maintaining a team. And, you know, I have 325 employees. And, you know, realistically, man, are all of them doing an A plus job today? No, because math won't let that happen. That's just impossible, right? It's impossible. But but by creating a culture of honesty and responsibility and accountability, I think that, you know, you can really be a leader without having to be in there leading all the time too. Absolutely. Especially with this job market, you're going to, you're going to be hiring B players and can you turn them into a players? Because you just don't, you don't have the pick of Maybe. these days. Maybe I, you know, uh, so uh, yeah, I mentioned 300 employees now. I mean, I've had hundreds before that in different things. And, you know, one thing I really learned about the true A player is they're an A player right away. And it's difficult to get people that don't show up as A players to turn into them. They might be B players, but I've yet to have someone ever show up and do a shitty job and end up being an all-star. Have you? Yes, more wow. more than more than more than a few times. And yeah, I, see and that. I, and I watched it happen with me. I I was failing at one of my jobs. I was failing as a sales guy, and it was horrible. Uh, and I finally walked into my manager and quit. Uh, and I said, "I'm I I need to go." And he's like, "Why?" I said, "Cause I suck at this job." He says, "What makes you think you suck at this job?" I said, "You every single day." Uh, uh, was he tell telling me, you that because you tell me that everything he says i was just trying to motivate you i said well it didn't work and my numbers prove it um no. and we renegotiated the whole thing and uh, i wound up um you know overachieving my number going to president's club right and having a cigar with him and uh you know but it was it, it was just 
I I I wish I I wish I was an A player on my own at that point in life, but I needed someone to believe in me. Like I would, you know, it, I just didn't have the self esteem, so I needed someone to help me along. And as soon as he changed his attitude, everything changed. Right. As soon as I had someone who I felt like was in my back, I learned how to soar. And I've done that with other people also. I've I've turned, you know, that's actually kind of my specialty. Is is I get a call from a CEO who says this person super talented, fucking up. Uh, how how can we how can we get them rowing in the right direction or you know coach up or coach out? Uh, and uh, I've only I've only lost two <laughs> out of all the clients I've had. I've lost, I've failed twice, and both of them I think had mental illness uh, as part of it. But if you can, you know, if you can have the right conversations, if you can write, find the right motivations, and if you can find out what's going on with them and what they need, right? Some people is just not the right fit. It's not the right job. You, you just put a square peg in a round hole and that's never going to work. They have the right culture fit. They have the right attitude. They just don't have the skills. Like, and all of those things are, are factors. Well, speaking of finding people for the right role, if you want to find expert software developers, that doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use FullScale's platform to help define your technical needs and see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Go to FullScale.io to learn more. You know, you're, we're talking about the business of, of determining who's an A player and who isn't. I mean, that's kind of the business that we're in at FullScale. We actually go through 42 applicants to hire one person. And that's where, you know, we're selling a premium service. And, um, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting when you look at, at determining, you know, from a leadership standpoint, there's a lot of people that believe that when it comes to your team, you win or lose at the hiring moment. And uh, you mentioned sometimes having to hire B players. We can't. We can't like mm-hmm. we, when we do, we end up, they end up sitting on our bench. They, we, we regret it. We have this little tiny strike zone that we've learned to operate in. Now with that, you know, look at, you look at like com- programmers and developers and they're obviously in demand and it's very, uh, it's not that difficult to measure someone's technical skills. Here's a test. Take it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a good score? How long did it take you to do it? Did you get, did you get a good grade? Uh, that doesn't mean that that person is good at what they do. It means that they have the skills to do it. We have to go into a whole nother gamut of stuff. And like the, really the thing for us that, um, that we've realized from a leadership angle at, at full scale is uh, we put this really high premium on passion. If you're passionate about what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And I think as a leader, that's one of the things that we've really tried to, you can't teach someone to be passionate. You can't teach someone to care. Um, You could maybe do some things that might improve their current status of caring. Um, But yeah, it's, it it can be, it can be a a challenge. All right. So in your, in your coaching uh, methodology, you've divided into three categories. You have leading up, leading across and leading you. Um, let's talk a little bit about those. If you got a minute for that, I believe you probably do. I probably um, do. <laughs> so, so when we talk about leading up, uh, what, what, are, what are we leading up to? Right. So it's, it's actually four things. It's leading up, right? So uh, becoming a trusted advisor. So I work with, I work with C-suite executives. So I mm-hmm. work with people who are, who this, the CEO needs to turn into trusted advisors who speaks truth to power, who aren't just a squeaky wheel for the sake of being a squeaky wheel, right? Yeah. Who learn who learn how to get recognition without stepping on other people. Then 
there's leading uh, in a group of powerful peers who also have their own ambitions, own ideas, and uh, and own agendas, right? So how do you how do you turn that into a team and and stand out there? Then how do you lead your team? Which you know, there's enough books about that uh, all over the place. And then leading you, it all starts with you know your own self discipline, your own self leadership, and being able to speak up. So that's that's where it starts. Uh, so I I really help uh, take really high achievers, right? You know, people who have just been a bull in the China closet and work their way up into the C-suite and turn them into an, a trusted advisor to the CEO and a trusted peer to the, to the people who work with them. What's the key ingredient to that? Humility. Humility. Okay. Right. So what you want to, you know, a couple, couple of things that I teach them is, you know, is do you want to satisfy your ego or do you want to be effective? Like, it's kind of like, do you want to be happy or right? Do you want to be effective or do you want to just satisfy that ego craving of yours? And those who can check their egos will actually win. The other piece is, you know, how do you get that? You know, so one of the things I know about the boardroom and one of the things I know about almost everybody I've ever met is we're all a bunch of adults working out childhood traumas. <laughs> We're all doing our best. Like we, so we play whack-a-mole with leadership. That goes way past the boardroom. But yeah. Right? right? Yeah. So, so, you know, we all look like adults. The men shave, the women put on makeup, and we look like adults, but we're actually all working out this childhood. So the person who can actually get above that and get grounded and centered in the meeting wins. So how do you find that so that you can let everybody else kind of play ping pong with all that? And then you can cut right through, the, you know, with, with, with your wisdom because you're present and you're, you know, you know what's going on. So that's another one. The other is, uh, you know, so, so I'll take, I, I work with people who don't speak up enough and I have to get them to speak up. And then I work with people who speak up too much, right? So I teach them, you know, to be effective, you have to pick a hill to die on. If every hill is important, nobody's going to listen to you. If you're yeah. if every hill's important, the CEO is going to tune you out. But if you pick what's important, the the thing that you're going to go, you know, that you're going to go to the mat for, people will start to know that you actually care about this. So it's 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 that kind of thing that I do uh, to to just help check people's ego. And then and what happens is they wind up happier. <laughs> they wind up happier at home. I get more reports of uh, happier marriages and better health. Uh, when I get people to step back from this, just drive to be right, this drive to be seen, this drive to be recognized, this, you know, all that to how do I become effective and how do I make this job serve my life? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the, the you know, it, I'm not a religious person, but uh, there's a Buddhist principle giving with no expectation of return. And, uh, you know, that's the person that makes the anonymous donation, the truly anonymous donation. And, um, you know, you can be that same donor as the CEO and leader at the company. It's like, you know, we've uh, full scales, uh, despite having hundreds of employees and millions of dollars in revenue has just had its fifth birthday. We're still young. We were just last year old enough to even be on things like the Inc 5000 and stuff like that. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, as the CEO and founder, they come to me to do an interview, the local whatever. And, you know, the first thing I say is I'm just... I'm just the person that they assigned to accept this award, but I'm not the person that deserves it. There's 300 people that work at my company that quite honestly, if they don't show up to work, I'm just a guy looking for something to do, you know, and, and I, I have the easiest job as the CEO. Um, and you know, it's my job to help everyone else be successful. And 
Uh, you know, so, you know, that, that's, that's a level of humility that I think too many, I don't know, there's this narcissistic quality that often exists with entrepreneurs and founders and leaders. And it's the people at the company that made it happen. Right. You know, Let's you go, back, have, go back to what you said earlier, though. You said something, you some, said something earlier about if you're going to be in a uh, position of leadership, you really genuinely have to want to see other people succeed. Oh, yeah. I, I remember oh, yeah. when I when I was when I was uh, you know, I was a sales guy and I was going to go for a sales manager position, and the really wise director said to me, he said, "The only way you're going to be successful in this job is if you care about other people's success more than your own. Otherwise, it's going to eat you alive to watch them standing on stage getting awards. If you don't fail, if you don't if you don't completely fill with pride." For, you know, for that, you're not going to make it. And, you know, th that's why I'm a coach, right? I love seeing other people succeed. I love seeing people reach, you know, and beyond their potential. And I'm perfectly happy sitting in my office and never seeing people in person ever. <laughs> I'm I, I am too. Yeah. Well, I've got <laughs> trophies and awards and ribbons and accolades. And people sometimes say to me, they're like, oh man, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, but it wouldn't work shit. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I got the little plaque and I, I got in my car and I went down to the bank and I pulled up at the drive through and I couldn't get it in that little tube that went back to the teller. They're like, Mr. DeCourcy, you're going to have to come into the lobby again. So I pull around, I go, I can't get it under the little, in the little tray. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to deposit this Inc. 5000 award. And they're like, um, sir, you can't put that in the bank. And it's true, you know, like the, the award stuff. Now, look, I've, I've also caught some criticism when I've talked about that. I don't think that's important because there's a lot of people out there that feel that, you know, the responses I got were, oh, well, you've already made it. Why don't you, you might not care, blah, 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 blah. But I'm really not driven by the awards because the story I just told, while that didn't really happen, it kind of did. In the road, you don't put the trophy in the bank, man. Like that's not really worth what that's, that's some acknowledgement and validation. And then guess what folks, four out of five of those awards, you see people win and they probably paid money to win it. And, you know, so it's not, it's not as, and I'll never do that. I have no interest in that. I'll tell you what, I've turned down 10 times more awards than I've won because they're like, Hey, you're the CEO of the year in Kansas. And, all we need from you is a check from five for five thousand dollars to buy a full page ad in some magazine no one gives a shit about, and like you know, like I mean, but that's that's not what what does it. You know, I think that it, it, as an entrepreneur, or a leader, your goal is to try to build something bigger than you. We were just talking about this at Full Scale, like the C, the COO and myself, and we said, man, you know, we've done a really good job of that. Because we could replace ourselves and this company's still going to go on and it's still going to go forward. And to me, that's the greatest award that you can come up with. But I think the biggest stat, the best stat, and the one that I'm most proud of is from 2022 is, you know, we had a 93.5% employee retention rate during the quote year of the resignation, according to the Wall Street Journal. So you know, where you mentioned people are shifting jobs and going and doing stuff, we created enough of a place to people to work. That's an A grade kind of score. I tell some of my peers that and they think I'm making it up. But you know, the, the I think as a leader, are people staying at your business? Or do they feel like they're winning 
by being involved with what you're doing. And the same thing for your clients. Like if I don't have clients, I don't have revenue. If I don't have revenue, I don't have employees. If I don't have employees, I don't have a company. So, you know, if you're in the service business, like we are and providing services, you got to seriously look at that. Like you mentioned, are, are, do you want, I, I, nothing would make me happier to see every single one of my clients up on a stage winning an award for what they do. Like that would feel great. And that trickles down because our, our people work for them. Like uh, I have a weird business dynamic in that, you know, we work with 60 different companies to try to help them find success. However, it is that that occurs. And you know what? Sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. We have to show up and do our part. Um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. All right. So now next was leading across. Mm-hmm. So, lead, so lead me across that, Mark. So, so you know, <laughs> leading the team, leading a team is hard. Yes. But there's enough training. There's enough books. There's enough. Mm. You know, you have enough authority if you have a title to give a go at leading a team. Uh, you know, yeah. But leading once you get, I, I was just I was talking to someone yesterday whose son is brilliant and just went to uh, Georgia Tech and was like valedictorian of his high school and all this stuff and ran into a wall at, at Georgia Tech saying, oh my God, everybody here's smarter or smarter than me, right? And didn't understand, like it just needed, needed the first year to acclimate to not being the star. So when you're on a group of, on a, on a team of peers and everybody is talented and everybody is ambitious and everybody has good ideas. Sounds like a good room to be in. Right. Yeah. Including yeah. you. Yeah. How do you stay? You know, so for me, I know I know for me, I can either be top dog. Or I'll take a back seat that, you know, whenever I've taken played those leadership games, the samurai games and all those things, I notice my tendency is to either take over or stand back. And my stretch in those games is always to stay in leadership, you know, with everybody at the same time. And that's what I see, in, you know, often people either try to bulldoze in a group of leaders and try to, you know, you know, turns into a pissing contest or they stay quiet and let the louder voices have that. So how do you show up in the boardroom with those people, lead when you need to, follow when you need to, right? Support other people when they have initiatives that are worthwhile. How do, you know, again, Never. One of the things I teach is never walk into a room that you don't know the answer to the question you're going to ask or whatever you're going to. So you have to stack the deck before you walk in the room. Have If you have an idea, if you have something you're going to push into a meeting, have you had a conversation with every stakeholder? Have you talked to them about how your initiative impacts them? Have you talked to them about what they need? Have you Do you know the answers before you walk in the room when you bring that up? Right. So that's how you that's how you build a bench of people. I also say, you know, you know, like, let's look let's look at how you got promoted. Is there wreckage behind you? Did you step on people? Are those people going to support you and go? Absolutely. Jerry is the one who should have been promoted and I'm going to follow him to the ends of the earth. Or are they going to be like, yeah, no, that was that was an ass kisser or, you know, he didn't deserve it. And not, you know, do you want to be the person who when they get promoted? gets all that support. So that's how you lead on a, on a, on a team of peers. Yeah, I think one of the things that too many people get past in the end is they're all, I, I think we're all worried about whatever other people think of us. And at the same time, we're often unaware of how little other people are actually thinking about us. 
you know, like there's, there's, there, it is okay to be a little bit selfish in that regard. Like it, I, I'll sometimes look back at things and I'll be like, you know, did I do a good job? Could I have done better? Did I do the best job that I could? And, you know, like I, my standards are the toughest ones to live up to without a doubt. And I also remind myself, it's like, you know, well, I mean, I, yeah. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, I just, I got to have it, it really in the end. It's like, I mean, if everyone else is going to be unhappy with me or whatever, who cares if we still made the, the decision, it was the best for everyone. And that's the problem that a lot of people have with leadership, you know, 51% of a, a 51% uh, a vote gets you the presidency, but we're somehow often as leadership. And, well, maybe not in most years, um, <laughs> but you know, as, as a leader at a company, we get, I mean, if can you think about that? Like you're running, you're at your business and you went by those same standards to me, if I only had 51% of people finding my leadership to be effective, I would, that would be an abysmal failure for me. But at the same time, back to what I said in the very beginning of the show is like, sometimes when you're doing your best job as a manager, not everyone's going to like you. And that's where it, you know, you have to get some thick skin around that. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of unseasoned or ineffective leaders are going to sit around and, Oh, I want to be, I don't want so-and-so mad at me. Why? I mean, is it, is it because you didn't give them their way? You didn't go with their idea? Like, the, the, the nature of productive and innovative thinking is that you're probably going to throw away most of the ideas. You're looking for one. Like my, my people ask me a lot. They're like, well, what's your approach to entrepreneurship or business? I try 10 things, hoping one works. And when I find that one thing that works, man, that's that, that crack I was looking for. And now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to shove an elephant through it. You know, so, you know, there's, and sometimes you're going to be wrong. I think if you admit you're wrong, you're going to be a lot, people, people will, that lands so much better. So, you know, I could do a better job. It's, it's back to responsibility. It's like the, don't be the person that shows up with the traffic ticket in their hand, upset at the cop for giving you a ticket for going 20 miles an hour over the limit. You know, that's not responsibility. That was your fault. You were the one speeding. Now, speaking of us, we had the next category that was leading you. Yeah. I have notes here that talk about being the being your best in all situations. Is that even possible? Because we all have bad days and bad moments. And the, the way that personality styles work when we're under stress or when we're tired are the times when our worst qualities are going to show. So can you actually be your best in all situations? Yeah, nothing's perfect. Everything, everything is everything is gray, right? But how can you reduce the number of bad days? How can you increase the number of good days? How can you reduce the number of bad interactions, right? So I talk a lot about this, this, this concept called allostatic load. Uh, do you know what allostatic load is? I don't. So I've, I've talked to thousands of people I go from the stage and I, I ask the audience, does anybody know what allostatic load is? Nobody knows what it is. I read, I read an article on it once. I t- did a podcast on it. And now I'm the world's foremost apo- uh, um, uh, authority on allostatic load. Allostatic load is the amount of stress you're carrying in your body at any given time. 
So like you wake up in the morning and you spill your coffee, you have a little, you know, a little chink in the armor. Then your kids are late for school. You have a little chink in the armor. Uh, You're on the way to work. Someone cuts you off. You have another chink in the armor. And by the time you get to work, the first person who crosses you, you know, you're going to flame them, right? You don't have, you don't have the capacity to give them a mulligan. So I talk about if your allostatic load is up to your ears all the time, you have no reserve to actually you know, get yourself out of fight or flight. You are triggered immediately by everything. So how do you lower your allostatic load? You do that by eating right and exercising. Exercising is the number one thing. I have one client who I, uh, I was, I was hired for his anger issues. He's a former professional athlete. He's uh, he is uh, the chief uh, revenue officer of a company and he's great at what he does, but he scares everybody and his anger was driving everybody crazy. What I told him was, I said, I'm not going to coach you you know, we have another meeting in two, two weeks. I've already, I was already paid. So this was, this was great. I said, I'm not going to coach you until you've been to, yeah, into the gym for eight times. Cause I had asked him, when was the last time you were at the gym? He says, it's been a couple of years. Like you're a former professional freaking athlete. Yeah. Like, so I told him, I said, you need to send me a picture of yourself at the gym at least eight times before we talk again. Uh, he says, why? I said, because you are like a five-year-old ADHD kid trying to be stuffed at an, in a desk. So I can't play whack-a-mole with your anger issues if you're not throwing iron around, right? He lost a bunch of weight. The CEO's like, what did you do to him? And it wasn't any coaching on my part. It was like, we just got him to take care of that allostatic load by throwing some weights around. You know, now he's doing some um, kickboxing and MMA, right? Perfect for him so that he can go to work and be even keeled, right? So how are you taking care of that stress? How are you taking care of the stress of everybody throwing things at you? Are you able to triage what's coming at you and figure out what's important, what's not important so that you, you know, you know, I have ADHD. I wrote my first book on how to be an entrepreneur with ADHD because I can't do A, B's and C's, little rocks and little rocks. Everything comes at me at the same intensity. I had to learn that most things can be put at bay and there's only certain few things that I should be working on at any given time. So how do I get them to relax? The more I can get people to relax, uh, the better you are in all situations. Then if I can get them, if I can get you to do a contemplation practice, a little bit of meditation, sitting with coffee, looking outside out the window without your phone, can I get you to breathe? Can I get you to get in nature, right? That kind of thing. Then again, that adds to that muscle of being your best in every situation so that you, it's just, you're just better most of the time. And again, my reports are when I work on these things, better marriages, better family time, right? Better life satisfaction as we teach these leadership skills. If you follow me on Facebook, you know, I recently bought a farm, which I now realize was to reduce my allostatic load. Uh, allostatic load, A-L-L-O-S-A-L-L-O, static load refers to the cumulative wear and tear on the body due to chronic stress. It's not just the stress itself, but how the body responds and adapts to the stress that can lead to health issues. Chronic activation of the stress response can affect various biological systems and lead to a variety of health problems like heart disease, diabetes, cognitive decline, mental health disorders. You mentioned that same thing. It's like, uh, uh, so it's, it's funny that the farm thing started because I have some of my best ideas why I mow my lawn. I canceled my lawn service years ago because of that. And I was like, man, maybe if I had more lawn to mow and stuff like that. And I've lost 20 pounds in almost a month um, and just feel generally healthier. I think it's back to that kind of like the the athlete um, version. It's like I have 
very, very high level of ADHD myself. And there's something about kind of blowing that, mm-hmm. that energy out in a couple different places and feeling productive about it still. Like I don't, uh, yeah. And it's definitely, definitely been helpful. All right. So here we are, man, that this went fast and we are just about out of time. And yet another episode of startup hustle brought to you by fullscale.io. If you need help hiring software engineers, testers, and leaders, fullscale can help. We have the people on the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. Go to fullscale.io. All you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with people that are ready to help you solve your problems. Once again, with me today was Mark Silverman, owner of Mark J. Silverman and Associates. There is a link to Mark's website down there right next to fullscale.io. I have a feeling he wants to help coach you if you're ready to learn and grow. On the way out, Mark. Mark, what do you want to say to the to the startup hustle audience out there? So my book Only Tens is great for for entrepreneurs, and it really does help, especially the ADHDers, uh, prioritize. And it's free on my website. You can just go there and get a free copy. And my new book Kudos on that, by the way, yeah. yeah. The the Rising Leader Handbook is going to be out in October, but there's a summary that you can get for free on the website. Also, I give all kinds of stuff away for free. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of which, uh, you can get my book, Balance Me, which is the realest guide to a successful life. Um, Amazon won't let me sell it for, they won't let me give it away free all the time. Um, I think it's a buck 99 on Kindle. Yeah. They won't, I, I've tried. They'll let you give it away twice a year for five days at a time. You can yeah. get it for free on my website, not on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't gone that far. But, uh, you know, I think overall, when it comes to the power of, of great leadership, um, you know, if I, when I look back and, and you mentioned being 61, I'm coming up on 50. Uh, I think the smartest thing I ever did was learn about leadership. Um, it, it helped accelerate my growth out of a sales role into a leadership role. And while you can make a lot of money in sales, I wanted to do a little bit more. I wanted to be a little bit more of a key player. Uh, I think it's the best thing you can do. Um, I do want to point out that I, I 100% agree with Mark on some of these things like learning about leadership, learning about communication, learning about personality styles, learning how to help other people get what they want ahead of what you want is going to help you in more than just a, a, a work situation that helps you at home, that helps you raise children, it helps you at church or on your softball team or whatever. And uh, don't be afraid to sometimes take the back seat. So I, uh, for years played in an adult bass pitch, wood bat baseball league where I was one of the worst players on my team. Um, I really, I was on a really good team now in defense of myself, but I was, I was like, you know, and I, I loved showing up and being that guy. So you want me to hit, get hit by a pitch? Do you want me to bunt? You want me to be the third base coach, whatever it is. And I loved it. Cause it was like, it was like the total opposite of what I had to do all day where I had to like, be the guy. And I had to get the big hit and I had to, you know, like do all that stuff and, uh, you know, figure out where your role is in the leadership dynamic and pay attention to it and know that, um, there's a very rewarding and self and and sense of satisfaction at the end, but it, it, it needs to be about more than just you. I think that's all I'd like to say on the way. So Mark, I'm going to catch up with you down the road, man. I'm going to go check out your website and uh, download this free book and listen to your podcast and do a whole lot of other stuff. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you having me. 
Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.